Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bevelations. This is our last Monday episode of this little dog and pony show before I move it to Wednesdays. And next Monday will be your first RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9 recap with the lovely Miss Satine Harlow and the even lovelier Miss Brooklyn Ford. So today's episode is with a very good friend of mine, Mr. Brandon Robert, who you will uh, see in the interview uh, helped to sort of get all of us ladies some exposure with his uh, uh, drag blog, Philly Dragopolis. Uh, he is a avid drag lover and a very good friend of mine. And this is a, a fun behind the scenes look. And he's my first non-performer that I've had a chance to interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview with Mr. Brandon Roberts. Our guest today is nightlife staple and event producer Brandon Robert. Brandon began his involvement in the Philly drag scene, writing his blog, Philly Dragopolis. He then went on to produce numerous drag events, including the Short Bus Sisters, Circus of the Stars, and the first few seasons of Philly Drag Wars. These days, you can find him lurking in the background at most drag shows, and he is the current co-producer of the annual AIDS Day Benefit Code Red with drag queen Cherry Pop. Welcome, Brandon. Hello. This was another another circumstance where lazy bitches didn't want to write their own bio, so I had to fucking write one for them. But, yeah. you, but you did amazing. I did. It wasn't as amazing. mean as Satine Harlow's was. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. So, hi. So, you're my first non-drag queen, although you're practically one, and you've been <laughs> in drag a few times. I have been, as as Philadelphia drag queen. That's right. You impersonate people. Uh, so, welcome. Welcome. Thank Happy you. birthday. Oh, thank We're you. We're recording this uh, the, the day after, or two the, days after? The day after. The day after your... Uh, 73rd birthday. Yes. You look amazing. Thank you. I parked my walker over by the <laughs> she door. did. He brought his jazzy scooter over <laughs> into my into my beautiful penthouse apartment. So hello, welcome. So um, we're both enjoying a nice glass of uh, boxed wine. Yeah. I'm drinking uh, Franzia Crisp White, which has been a theme for most of these podcasts. And you're actually drinking Pinot Grigio out of out of a, a box. Out of a box. But it's it's, it's so my good. first time having boxed wine. Well, aren't you fancy? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you, I I was nursed on box wine. I, it's usually Boone's. Or, oh, there you go. <laughs> MD twenty twenty. So, um, so we always start these out, um, getting to know you a little bit. Okay. Uh, so, where are you from? I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Okay. It's an hour and a half north of here. Okay. Um, for those who don't know, small town, big town. Ah, uh, it's it's small. It's uh, right off of Allentown. More people would know Allentown oh, okay. than yeah, Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and were you a homosexual in Bethlehem? Um, I was. You and came it out? Was, it was How long not ago was always that? the best time. Uh, in the early 90s. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, really revealing my age now. Yeah, who cares? I'm not making you this say is, a number. It's, it was before, I'm not making you say a let's number. Let's put it this way. It was before Friends or Will and Grace. <laughs> well, that's okay. I, I, I came out before fucking Will and Grace. Um, that's fun. And then what brought you to Philly? Um, I worked for this small little boutique retailer called H and M. I think I've heard of them. Yes, um, they were opening a store in Philadelphia, and although my original intent was to move to New York City, I knew Philadelphia, so I moved to Philly when the opportunity arose. I, oh, wanted, okay. to, I wanted to live in a city. I didn't want to stay in the yeah. suburbs. Oh, okay. And um, so uh, we first met. Um, I was trying to remember today how we first met. I think it might have been. 
at like Circus of the Stars at Taboo or something. Yes, I was in and around there because I was friends with. You were doing some show. I don't quite recall if it was Circus of the Stars or what, but I remember um, Josh talking about this new funny queen called Bev, and uh, I was introduced to you, I believe, that night. Oh, okay. Yeah, I drink a lot, so I have a limited, <laughs> I have a limited recollection of events. It could have been Circus of the Stars. So you, okay, so you first begot, have, began heavily, became heavily involved with the drag scene um, did it start with Dragopolis or you were just friends with drag queens and that's what pers- like prompted you to start Philly Dragopolis? And tell us what that is for the for for listeners, oh, my so, avid listening base. So, so many questions all at once. I'm lines. sorry, I'm trying to. Um, well, well, I'll, I'll trying t- to make I'll you t- relatable. I'll tell it in I'm order. trying to make you relatable. <laughs> I'll tell it in order. <laughs> I had a friend who enjoyed going to work Wednesdays which I believe Satine covered in the last and, episode. And um, uh, previous guest, Mimi, I'm first, has also discussed that a bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I originally met uh, the wonderful Diana Darling. Um, <laughs> A.K.A. She Who Shall Not Be Named. Now she, you said her name. She, she, Say her name two more times. She'll appear like Beetlejuice. Then I will definitely not. <laughs> uh, she uh, took a liking to me, oh, we, as, we'll say. As, as she does with most new people. Um, and started inviting me to different events and stuff like that. And uh, I had not actually at that point in time met Mimi. I knew her somewhat, but I really didn't meet Mimi until um, they started the dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they started the dollhouse. And back then, like people were coming out to drag shows, but it wasn't quite like what it's become. There wasn't a whole lot of drag shows. There really was only Work Wednesdays, I think, at There the weren't time. 500 drag queens running around. The no, street. and then, then there was, like, the Dollhouse and Sinful Sundays, and, of course, Bob and Barbara's. I mean, you can never... Well, right, right, right. That's been around forever. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, in the gayborhood, there really wasn't a whole lot of drag shows. So, um, there was just... I started becoming friends with a lot of drag queens, and started hanging out at Sinful and getting to know them more, getting invited to the dressing rooms and hanging out. And there was just so much drama going on and like (laughs) arguing and fighting and stuff like that. (laughs) And it was, it was so interesting to me. Um, Just, and just even knowing like all starting to see what all was involved in putting together a drag show and how difficult it was to come up with themes and costumes and choreography and group numbers and, and trying to make things interesting and exciting. And so one night after it was funny enough, the right after Diana Darling got fired from (laughs) sinful Sundays. Now you've said it twice. Well, that'll be the last time. Uh, I was sitting around and I'm like, what if I start a blog that is kind of like an insider's guide, if you will, to the shows that are going on? And because I had missed writing from my past and that kind of creative outlet. And so I started this blog thinking like maybe a couple people would read it. If no one read it, I'll take it down. Um, And it kind of skyrocketed into something that I never really thought it would. I mean... There were some days I'd be getting thousands of hits a day. Oh, wow. People reading articles that I'd be writing. A girl, I wrote an article about Misty Maven at one point in time, and some girl screenshot it. I have no idea who she is. She lived all the way across the country and was doing a report on makeup tutorials and Misty Maven. And she wanted to thank me for the article that I wrote because she referenced it and hurt. Like, it was like, what? Wait, what's going on? 
So, I mean, it, it kind of took off. And one of the reasons why I started it really was to kind of create like a celebrity around the drag queen. So people knew. What so you're responsible. <laughs> so you're responsible for the current mess we're in. I'm just yeah, kidding. a little bit. No, um, just to kind of create that like intrigue. So people would want to come out to the shows and see what was going on and see like, you know, oh, this person's fighting with this one. How will they get along on stage when oh, they have okay. to perform together? And, and <clears throat> just so people could see what happened behind the scenes and creating like interesting photo shoots of some and of what the queens. year circa was this? Oh my God. Um, it's probably about five years ago. So like okay. 2000, yeah, maybe 2011, 2012 ish. Okay. Maybe even 2010. Might have been a little bit before that because I'm I moved here almost five years ago. Okay, and so I don't. I, and you were kind of phasing out of it. Yeah. I think when I first moved here, I was. Um, so then, yeah, maybe like seven years. Oh God, just it's weird because it keeps showing up on my Facebook memories. So, <laughs> don't so, you love that? So don't you love that? Maybe that's why it's still fresh in my mind. But yeah. um, and for the most part, I feel like it it really worked. I mean, people like more and more shows started, like people were really coming out. Um, I'm not saying that that's the only reason why, but like, I feel like it may, might've had a little bit of an influence on people. Right. And it was probably one of the first, like this was before, like, like, well, so I don't know if it was before Twitter and like, I mean, Instagram, like Insta promotion of your events and everything. You probably, yeah. people weren't promoting as, as much as, there is now because there's so much competition now that you have to promote and you, it's all about like what your flyer looks like and what your tagline is and all the other kind of stuff. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. And like, yeah. And people would start asking me to come to their events and cover their events. And I, I would uh, drag poor Jonathan Hernandez all around town with his camera and we'd be shooting these events all over the place. I mean, there were times we would be at three different events in one night. Wow. Bouncing from one bar to another bar. Look at you. You're just a little Michael Musto of, <laughs> of Philadelphia. Right? Uh, well, I was. <laughs> the Hedda Hopper. I love it. For for us old queens, you know who, who the fuck Hedda Hopper is. <laughs> so, um, so... Yeah, so the drag scene back then, I mean, you've kind of talked a little bit about it, but it was obviously a lot smaller than it is now. Like, what was yeah. Philly drag like before uh, nine million competition shows? I mean, there, de <laughs> there definitely was, like, the, the core group of people. And then there was always, like, like people who were performing, but maybe just not as, not, uh, not as much or were on the rise and coming up. I mean, I remember, like, one of the people that, I covered really kind of moving up the ladder was porcelain and like lady poison, mm -hmm. um, from when they started or even Aida Snatchwell. I remember writing an article when she first started now known as Aida S Stratton. Oh, you sorry. cannot call her Aida Snatchwell. It's not becoming of a title holder. Oh, uh, well that's what she'll always be to me. <laughs> I know. Um, but it, I mean, yeah. And there was a lot more cast shows. So there was, um, yeah, like, the Dollhouse is probably one of the best representatives of that. Like, it was a cast show. It had themes. There was choreo. There was, you know, every number went with it. It yeah. was... It was I when, missed that. When the Dollhouse first started, too, in its first couple years, it was a spectacle every week. And the house was packed. Yeah. I remember seeing pictures from that when I first moved here, and I was like, wow. Because, yeah, we yeah. didn't have anything like that in Baltimore, where I had come from. There was, like, the, the 
weekend drag shows where like queens would come out and do a get on up yeah kind of number <laughs> but we didn't have anything like like I, that. i've seen a, a drag show in baltimore and i was oh, just like which oh. one i don't even remember i just remember being at this bar and i was standing behind this like rail oh uh um hippo that's uh, now a cvs <laughs> oh huh. fine it's now closed all right we're gonna pause i need a refill i have a small glass brandon doesn't hold on one sec <laughs> And we're back! Yay! 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 All right. So, um, so how then did you transition from um, just being sort of an observer of the nightlife community to like producing your own events? Like, tell us about the process of that. Um, well, I I got called uh, to a meeting. I mean, I had at the time I had different bars um, advertising on Philly Dragopolis, which was awesome, um, and uh, Taboo. Uh, Jeff, and then Mrs. P. Many okay. of you might not know Mrs. P, but the outrageous Mrs. P. Miss P stood Pinklewinkle. Mrs. Pinklewinkle. Who I was um, compared to a little bit when I first started because it was... I mean, yeah, well, it she was really was booger a... booger drag. It was funny drag. Yeah, it wasn't, and, like, pretty drag. Yeah, and she was very um, different from a lot of the queens because she kind of just went there yeah. with different things. Um but they pulled me into a meeting that they wanted to do a show, and we kind of started doing some brainstorming, um, and uh, we decided on like kind of like a talent show. Um, it wasn't a drag competition, right? right but right. it was a competition show, um, and we kind of hashed out the different details. I kind of had come up with um, a way of um, doing it week by week that I had kind of taken inspiration from other events that I had seen in other cities mm -hmm. um, where there would be uh, the first and second place winner from each week would then come back for the finale mm -hmm. and um, compete for the title. And we named the show Circus of the Stars. Um, and we had all kinds of people from singers to tap dancers to drag queens. So it was a whole like Did a drag queen ever win that? No, a drag queen never did. Well... Say. I don't know what happened after I... St I only produced oh. it the first two years, then oh, okay. Brittany Lynn took over. I know there was a um, singer, I think, because I like looked it this up. Jonathan won the first year. And didn't J and then Josh Carson or John Carson or Jay Carson, whatever his name was? No. Um, the second year, a tap dancer won. Oh. I, the year I, I competed, Reverend McKenzie, a circus um, oh, sideshow really? performer. She won. competed in one of the, si the yeah. years that I had it, but she... Um, her and... Uh, some someone got into <laughs> someone a, whose name we won't say a third time. A, a physical altercation and had to be removed. Oh, I heard about that. From I, had, the, I heard about that. Um, venue. <laughs> I'll say it as politically correct that. as possible. I did hear about that. Um, so and and Circus of the Stars uh, really took off. I mean, we had people sitting on the ledges and on the staircase and everywhere uh, coming yeah. to the show every week. Um, and I think part of that was I kind of incorporated this online vote, which was one of the things that I really pushed for, mm -hmm. because um, for me, it was as a producer, it was a way to get people talking about our event all week long. Right. And promoting they it, had to go it, on our Facebook page to vote. So people all week long were going, were talking about our Facebook page, they were going on our Facebook page, they were voting, and people were really coming out. And we really saw that impact the numbers that were coming out for our um, event. Awesome. 
And then you, I, we, we mentioned in your introduction, the Short Bus Sisters. The Short Bus Sisters. Which um, was? Which was Satine Harlow, Nevea Shea, and um, Cherry Pop, my beloved Cherry Pop. She'll be on here soon. Uh, I just talked to her today. I had really just watching Satine, um, as crazy as she can be and as outspoken as she can be, she really is funny and right. quick-witted. That's one thing that I meant to say when, when I interviewed her uh, that I didn't because we got talking about other stuff, which is like, she's one of those people who I don't think, it's not that she's afraid to go there, but like her whole like persona of like the makeup and the face and fashion and gaga and blah, 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 blah. But when she fucking goes there, she's so funny. Like, there is nothing Absolutely. funnier than her as the fucking Tyrannosaurus Rex in our Jurassic Park number from Drag Wars. Oh, we or still talk she, about it. When she did My Humps by Fergie as the hunchback of Notre Dame one time. Oh, <laughs> and I there was that. no mix. She was just literally the hunchback with a uh-huh. gigantic hump on her back, just dancing and doing My Humps by Fergie. It was so funny. I no, wish it she was. Would, I wish she would do that more. And like, I, and I just feel like the three of them together were so like, they're, well, they're all three of them are idiots like, in different... Exactly. Nevaeh's actual, an actual, probably mentally damaged. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nevaeh yeah. Shea, you'll have, we'll have you on soon. Know, Shout I out to Nevaeh Shea. Um, um, so, yeah, so we kind of came up with this, uh, this idea. They kind of already called themselves the Short Bus Sisters, and I was like, well, what if we make this into a show? Mm-hmm. And um, we did two... I would, oh, like yeah. to, I would like to correct <laughs> corrections <laughs> um, podcast, but we did two. We did the short bus sisters, and then we did the short bus sisters go back to school. Cute. Um, it was meant to be like kind of like a quarterly show. We were going to do it around the seasons. Like we were going to do like the short bus sisters go to the beach, and then drag and queens like, are lazy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the show. Love you, girls. Of, drag queens are lazy. The the show kind of didn't take off the way. I mean, it was it was successful, but it wasn't ex- as successful as we. Had right. hoped it had, might had be. the potential to be. Um, and we kind of, with different scheduling conflicts, it kind of never came to fruition that we finished, like, kept going with it. Right. Um, we all just got very busy, or we just couldn't agree upon certain things. Not that there was any, like, drama or fighting, because there never was. It was actually a really fun show to work on together. Yeah. Um, but here's a fun fact. When we started the show... You got the scoop here. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. We actually were going to be protested because we were calling it the Short Bus Sisters. Oh. And I got a phone call that people were going to be outside mm-hmm. protesting because they found the name of our show incredibly offensive. Well. And how dare we well, do such a thing. That's... But luckily it never happened. But. Yeah. Wow. I was kind of like, oh, yes, we've made it. We're <laughs> well, going to protest us. Yeah. Mimi talked a little bit. It'll be in one of the podcast episodes about people protesting one of her shows. Um, mm. So speaking of Ms. I'm First, so then now talk to us about how, because you co-produced the first few seasons of Drag Wars yeah. with Mimi before you kind of stepped away from nightlife for a while to focus on me. your day job and focus on you and not wanting to kill yourself because you were <laughs> and surrounded by drag queens all getting, the time. Getting two hours of sleep every night for yeah, four years. Welcome to my fucking life. Yeah. Um, so talk to us about how Drag Wars came along. Um, well, Mimi, I was involved with Circus of the, of the Stars at, at the time and I was um, kind of very involved with the dollhouse. I wasn't a producer or anything like that, but I was always kind of there and 
we would always be talking about different things and bouncing ideas off each other. And I think she saw the success of Circus of the Stars and she kind of was like, hey, do you, you want to work on something together? I would love to do kind of like a parody on RuPaul's Drag Race. And as we talked about it, we were like, hey, why don't we parody a bunch of different reality contest shows? So that's why I kind of incorporated the voice. And that's why it has a lot of the sound effects from like uh, Project Runway or, right. or different things like that. And then we just kind of hashed it out after a while. And, and um, we just started it and we weren't sure how it was going to go. So the first cycle, unlike any other cycle, was only about like six weeks, five, six weeks. It wasn't right. that long wasn't at all. wasn't all the girls. Um, we had no idea what to expect. Um, we had no idea it was going to turn into the behemoth. <laughs> the juggernaut that, <laughs> that it, it is now. became. I mean, by season two, we were having 270 people come yeah. out on a Tuesday night to watch yeah. Drag Wars. And I've seen people flipping out, screaming and yelling. And yeah. like, I made Satine talk about the night that they oh, tried I, to bring her back and they're like, like all hell broke loose. I was in the car with uh, Mr. Steve Sizzle. Uh, hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. Um, and uh, I was telling him all about it and how like, I basically had to rush her out of that. I was like, you're not coming back. Okay, let's get you out on the cab. <laughs> and we like, get Satine, the fuck out. like it was un unreal. It was unreal. And we had no idea that it was going to cause such... I mean, people in the audience were screaming. Brooklyn Ford jumped off the stage and was screaming, like, get her the F off the stage. Like, <laughs> it was... It was unreal. I mean, in a way, as a producer... It's the kind of publicity you can't buy. Exactly. As a producer, there were definitely many times that I was up in the DJ booth, because back then it was up in the air. Um, yep sitting there watching the audience get so emotional about what was going on on stage mm -hmm. that I literally would look at Ryan, our old stage uh, manager, and be like... I miss you, Ryan. I know, I do too. Um, and be like, we have, like, a hit. Yeah. This, is, this show is crazy. Yeah. I mean... When it's good, it's fucking good. And yeah. it took me a while to... Because my, my first couple seasons, I would get very, like... Uh, I would take, like... Fighting with Brooklyn, for example, like very personally, and I had, it took me a while to realize like that's part of like it's part of the show. The show that's what people like. Oh no! I mean, we had things have happened where like the next day I will get like twenty messages like, "What the fuck happened last night?" I know. Like, what the fuck happened? There was one day I forget what even happened, but I walked from my old apartment to venture in and got stopped three times on the street by people being like, "What the fuck happened at Drag Wars?" Oh last no! Night? Absolutely, <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it. It became crazy. Um, I feel like it's mellowed out over the last couple of years. I mean, well, I feel like there's more drama at the, at the judges' table yeah, well. and stuff like that. Then I feel like back in the day, it was more drama between the contestants almost. Right. Like, I mean, you I know, just Coco think it Ferragamo throwing her hip pads over the balcony at Mimi on first. <laughs> <laughs> like, Shout out to when, Coco Ferragamo. Hey, girl. When Stephanie Sheik was eliminated on stage and no one knew what was going on and the whole place erupted, and including the mentors, because we never we didn't tell them what was happening. They were freaking out. It was like, 
Yeah. Unreal. I had to send I had to send Ryan down to calm down the mentors. Like it's part well, there's of been, the, there's been there were there's certainly been moments of drama. Like there was the infamous um well, uh, especially sit surrounding down, you. Sit, no, no, no. The sit down chastity where chastity sang oh, Cartier yeah. and Brooklyn started screaming at each other from the stage. And like secu- security had to get in the way. True. Like, there's still true. been moments. There definitely have. I think I think I was just scarred by cycle two because there was so, so much, much drama. In cycle two. Well, there was also like 900 contestants. Y'all there was. From having and like it was six contestants to having like 25 or some shit. And it was four, 16 weeks, That's I think. Crazy. It was 16 weeks. I think by the end, me and Mimi were screaming at each other. (laughs) I remember we got into it the night of the Satine thing. Her and I got into it backstage and I had to like, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you want me to do. (laughs) I'm going to like, just continue with the show. Like it was like crazy. It was crazy. That's funny. So, so, um, all right. So now, um, now you've kind of, as we said, stepped back a bit. But you are still, um, you co-produce Code Red. Code Red. With Cherry Pop, which mm-hmm. is a fabulous event that I've had the pleasure of being involved with. Yes. From the, since the conception. Tell us, tell everybody who don't know about Code Red what it is. Code Red is a World AIDS Day charity event um, that we do every year. Me and Cherry Pop produce it. Um, it's I, I want to say it's hosted by Cherry Pop, but it's kind of hosted by the neighborhood. I mean, we definitely yeah. have different hosts throughout the whole night. Um it's just, I mean, the, the proceeds go to, originally it was MANA, AIDS Fund, and uh, Mazzoni Center, but last year it was uh, just AIDS Fund and Mazzoni Center. Um, it's just been skyrocketing. I mean, we did 2,500, between 2,500 and 3,000 the first year. Um, I don't remember the exact number. And I mean, last year we did $16,000. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, That's it awesome. was... It's it's like unreal to me that it's grown. I mean, we even had to change venues because yeah. of the fact that it has grown exponentially. And it's awesome for like drag queens are always there's always gonna be drag queen drama with somebody, but it's always an event where like people put that shit aside and like donate their time and donate their money. Yeah, and we never we never get a complaint. We always get told that it's one of their favorite events to do every year. Yeah. Um it's just it's just such an awe-inspiring event. Like, I mean, I've had people come up to me afterwards and just thank me for doing it. And that yeah. um, probably one of the best things that has ever happened to me in an event, if I can talk about it, mm-hmm. is um, we did Code Red. And in the middle, Cherry invited, this was um, not this past year, but the year before, mm-hmm. um, Cherry had invited people to come up on stage after her Break the Silence number, which is always a number where... Um, she talks about her pride and um, and just uh, that you don't have to be afraid to be HIV positive or tell people. And she invites people up on stage um, in a moment of solidarity. And a, a friend of mine who I've known for years went up on stage and I had no idea that he was positive. He was positive. Wow. And he came up to me after the show crying and said that he has been so depressed for the last year Aww. ever since being diagnosed and that walking up on that stage that night was the most freeing, liberating, liberating. thing that he has ever That's done. Awesome. And he, it just, it was like he took, he said it took the weight of the world off of him. Yeah. And we s- stood in the corner and kind of cried together. And it was like, oh my God, this is like, this is almost bigger than me. Like I, this, it was incredible to hear that story. And 
it just makes me want to yeah. do this event every year. Yeah, it's definitely something that I look forward to because a lot of us, we, a lot of us that that are fortunate enough to work a lot, don't get to see each other's shows a lot because there's a lot going on on the weekends, and that's like one event where it's like there'll be like twenty of us just standing around backstage, like I know it does shooting take so the long shit to get and <laughs> gossiping. No, just like just standing around like. I hate using drag terms like Kiki and all yeah. that kind of stuff, but just standing around and like shooting the shit and just talking about stuff and like seeing people that you don't get to see perform that often just because you're, you're working so much and stuff. So yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing that y'all have put together oh, thank you. for the community and the, the performance community. I, I'm very proud of it. And that's one of the reasons why, um, even though I've kind of, kind of backed away from producing events, um, that I continue to do this one because it yeah. just means so much to me. Well, that was a nice, fun, uplifting. Uh, <laughs> no, that was a nice, positive, uplifting uh, thing. Now let's talk some shit. So, <laughs> so we're up to the current present. And as, um, as uh, I like to do with this podcast, ask some, uh, some rounds of questions here towards the end. Uh, we're about 30 minutes in, so you have, okay. you have plenty of time. Okay. So let's see. We miss, we miss so many events that I produced, though. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Did we? Did we miss them, or did we I did. just purposely leave them out? Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Talk about shade. Go I'm ahead. just talking. I'm just kidding. So, um, I'm looking forward to this part, actually. So we'll start. We'll, we'll, we'll continue to positive. Give me, like... I always, the performers, it's been, what's your favorite number that you do, or what's your favorite memory? As, I guess, someone who's more of an observer of, of the performance scene, what's, like, your favorite thing that maybe you've ever seen? What's, like, one of your most memorable moments being involved with, with the Philly Drag Nightlife scene? Um, I mean, gosh, there's so, I have so many favorites. Um, you can but like, a couple. We got but, like, one, one that really sticks out for me is... Uh, the Dollhouse, The Lion King number, uh, The Circle of Life. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it is, it is available time. on YouTube. Oh, it is? Yes. Um, or I believe, I'm, I'm almost positive I've seen it on YouTube, but it was so amazingly done. And it was so, <laughs> I mean, they basically did a, like um, a low budget <laughs> circle of life. Mm-hmm. And they basically made the animals out of like things they found around voyeur. <laughs> like, um, I, it's not going to sound as funny me describing it, but like the bird was like a Wawa bag on a stick. <laughs> and like, they made a giraffe out of like a pipe and like, mm-hmm. a, a, a I forget what, but like a, a, a cup at the end. Mm-hmm. And, and Mimi came out with, it was just, it was incredible. And they even had the sun come up with, made out of cardboard. <laughs> it was, Awesome. It was actually fantastic. It was so. It was be- definitely during the heyday, yeah, of uh, Dollhouse. I've never um, seen that. I tried to get them to perform it at my birthday one time, but they said it was too much to try to recreate. So <laughs> yeah, um, but it it was incredible. Um, I mean, there's just been so many. I mean, there's been so many incredible numbers at Drag Wars, yeah, like. Uh, um, Jaja St. James is, I know that I don't mean to bring that up, but her finale for her season was, is always one of my favorites. I was three. I was meant to win all stars. <laughs> <laughs> her, uh, with her, her si- with her sister, her baby boy and, number with uh, her and, sisters and the and, Polynesian. Yeah. But, uh, it was incredible. Yeah. Um, that fucking bitch. Just 
There's been some. I mean, I loved you. Even your condoms. Note. Hello, I asked, we asked you to recreate oh, it. Oh yeah, at, I forgot at, uh, that. Your your my, Golden Girls condom my number. Girls condoms number. We I, asked you to do it at Code Red. <laughs> there was oh. a time where like Matt Byerschmidt. Hi Matt. I was like calling him like every two weeks, being like, Hey girl, can I get some more condoms, please? <laughs> oh. Well, if you need some. <laughs> to the point where he like gave me a shopping bag full of them at one point, and I'm walking up Walnut Street with a uh, with a fucking um, shopping bag <laughs> from Trader Joe's full of condoms. Well, yeah. if anyone needs that. Kind of uh, prop in the future. I would leaving Code Red this year. Grabbed a ginormous bag of condoms that is now in my apartment that I will never get through. <laughs> so like, if you ever decide like, to go it's through, it's a personal <laughs> mission of mine to get through these. I condoms. mean, it is it, almost like a trash bag size. That's well. So uh, I'll come hit you up. I so if that you want to do the number again, <laughs> please hit me up. So um, so okay, let's talk. Let's talk pet peeves. What mm. are your um, what are your pet peeves when it comes to watching? We'll start small, like watching drag queens or like watching a, per- a performance or just something that like. Um, uh, oh gosh, uh, one thing is what if you're doing a duet, lip syncing the men's part or the <laughs> other person's part? That kind of drives me crazy. Not knowing your words. Mm-hmm. Drives me crazy. Which is a common offense. Um, I'm not even like, I, I don't even think you need to have the most glamorous costume in the world or even have the, the best makeup in the world. Um, just be passionate about what you're doing and the number that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know with a lot of these competition shows, you're given challenges that you have to do, but... If you're passionate about what you're doing and you believe in what you're doing and you're behind your number, I say this to so many performers, you can tell when you are not behind your number. Yeah, when your heart's not in it. it you can tell. It reads like yeah. tenfold. Yeah. Just be passionate about what you're doing and give it your all. And even if the audience is not paying attention, just keep going. Act like it is the best number you've ever performed. Right. Because it reads. And you also never know, like, who's going to be in the audience watching you do that number or, like, what something could come from that. Like, oh, absolutely. an idea could come spawn from that or something, yeah. I've, I've had several conversations with several drag queens about, like, I could tell the moment you gave up on your piece and just kept going and just went yeah. through the motions. That's it? That's your only pet peeve? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really in it for, like, like the, I mean, I, the makeup or the wigs or the, yeah. the outfits. I mean, yes, of course, I mean, a great costume. And So then what are your thoughts on the current nightlife scene in Philly? There seems to be an ongoing dialogue now, like too many competitions, shows, what, what, should, um, what should be going on? Because there is, the, you'd be hard-pressed to find a night in Philly now where there's not something going on that somebody's producing that's either drag related or competition related or something like that. Like as someone who's been around for much longer than I have, um, what, what are your thoughts on the current scene and what recommendations do you have? Oh God. I, 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 I we're going in girl. I wonder if I should, I got to make you interesting. Let's say, go, we're going in. <laughs> say the one that like is actually on my mind. Um, sure. Go ahead. I, Don't honestly, use names, but go in. Who cares? I feel like there's a lot of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I and, and I don't want that to sound like 
horrible or like it's not as bad as it seems. But I just feel like back in the day, like there was like a lot of showmanship to what was going on and a lot of thought. And I'm not saying, don't get me wrong, don't put words in my mouth. I'm not saying that the people who are in these competition shows don't put a lot of thought and effort into what they're doing because mm-hmm. I know that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like a lot of times with the comp- uh, with competition shows, there's uh, a lot of people who haven't worked on their craft a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're getting younger and younger and they're getting... Which is great, and I think that they should have the opportunity to perform. Yeah. Um, And I think that's why it was great, like, for a long time at Sinful, um, Isis invited new queens to come and perform and really get that experience. Right, get some time on a stage. And I mean, mean, that's one of the things that happened with Porcelain. Porcelain would come out at Sinful. I mean, lots of people, uh, Delilah, um, would come and perform, and she's an amazing performer. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I I just feel like... There, there used to just be a lot of passion behind things. Like when we did vaudeville at, at Voyeur and we tented all of Voyeur and strung lights and there was like wow. just like things all around. Like when, so when you walked in, you were immersed into a experience, experience right. not just a drag show. Right. And I think that that's one of the reasons why the dollhouse was so great in the beginning. It was like... There was like confetti cannons and like props, a and, bouncy castle. And yeah, like a bouncy <laughs> castle. They were roller skating. Like yeah. um, Mimi came out in this lit up world globe costume that was like unreal on stilts. Yeah. Um, and then there's like, oh, okay, this person's lip syncing this song. Right. Like yeah. there needs to be like a purpose, and like I said, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, like a passion behind what you're doing. And that really reads, and I think that that's really what stands out for people when they go to these competition shows. Like, the people who, like, make it to the end, they're so passionate about what they're Mm -hmm. doing. They put so much into it. Right. Um, Yeah. And that's why these people also get booked. Like, there is the controversy about the competition shows right now. But, like, one of the things that I tell people that are concerned about that, like, oh, what if I put all this time and money into it and I don't win? But if you blow people's minds every week when you're there, mm-hmm. you are going to get booked left and right yeah. afterwards, whether you win or not. Right. You will get booked by people. If you're likable, you put time and effort into things, you show that you care. That's what I, I know I look for when I'm booking people for the shows that I produce because I don't want to work with someone who's going to half-ass something or be a bitch to be around. You just yeah. be pleasant to work with, put time and effort into something, and it, and it, it shows... No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Did that sound horrible? No. Oh, okay. Girl, who cares? Um, the 10 people that listen to this will oh, probably agree with please. you. Please. <laughs> Until I start getting hate mail on Facebook. Well, who cares? Um, so as I ask um, all of the uh, people I have on this, what would you say to someone who might be listening to this? And I was going to reiterate a little bit of what we've already said. But if there was someone out there who listening to this has always wanted to get involved with the performance scene in whatever capacity, whether they're a singer or a drag queen, dancer, burlesque performer, 
bottom. Who cares? And that's like the one competition show we don't have. I've always made the joke. That's, I'm like, surprised I haven't. Uh, best bottom. It. It's like your challenge this week: make this road cone disappear. I know. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Like, <laughs> Taboo, no, keeps, Taboo keeps asking me if I want to come Brittany back. Lynn any ideas? <laughs> Shout out to Brittany Lynn, future uh, podcast guest. Um, I'm excited for that one. What I know, it's the two of us. Um, we're, Playing nice with each other, it's gonna I'm be fun. I'm excited. Um, Can I be here? <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, what advice do you have um, with your vast decades of experience um, to to someone looking to start out in this crazy community? Um, well, I mean, just like what I was talking about, be passionate about what you're doing. Um, put effort into what you're doing. And honestly, I think the best thing that you can do is talk to the drag queen generations before you. Um, There's a whole history of drag in this city. Yeah. That's one thing I did want to talk about or like mention is like, cause we were at um, uh, drag arena recently and (laughs) um, witnessed a performance where it was just like, Oh girl, we've seen a bunch of people do this before. But that person performing clearly had no idea. Like no, absolutely, history and, is there. And I, I get it. I, you, everyone is like, oh my gosh, I hear this song and I have this idea for what to do, um, and that's incredible. And maybe there are, there will be half the audience that has not seen an, right the person before you do it. So right. that is true. Yeah. But there will be another portion of the audience who has seen it done before, um, and. Unless you do it 50 times better. Right. Find a way to make it It's grow. just going to be um, just like, oh, okay. I've seen that before. Oh, revolutionary. It's kind of like, it's when, like a- when we judged All Stars. I was like, okay, I wonder how many times I'm going to hear this song or I'm going to see this happen. Right. Um, yeah. I, Diversify I, your... Exactly. We want to see something new. And in order to see something new, we you need to, to know, know what happened before. before. Yeah. And just even just because there's so many like I tell and I'm going to totally give a plug to a, a group of girls. But I tell a lot of the new queens, especially the ones that um, are of this genre, um, to go to the foxes. Mm-hmm. Go watch the foxes perform because they put so much life, passion, and energy. And they into have so much experience exactly. in what they're doing. Between between all of them, they have so much experience. Yeah. Um, they have so much passion. They put together such a well-produced show, and they produce it themselves. Right. Um, and 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 honestly, not to uh, you know butter up the host, but like for any comedy queens, I tell people to go go watch Bev, go watch go. Because these are... Oh, well, thank you. No, but seriously, like, if you're a comedy queen, go to Bitch Fest. Yeah. Check it out. See what it is. You don't have to do the same thing. You don't have to be the right. same person. No, yeah, I don't, but don't want you to. But see what that passion looks like. See what that energy... There's a reason why people love watching Ira Specter. Mm-hmm. There's a people why... There's a reason why people love watching you and oh. making you laugh, like and making them laugh and come to mm-hmm. your show. Every, there's a reason why. Right. So I, I'm not telling you to imitate them, but go and see what the passion in their eyes is. Right. And how you can make that your own. Right. Oh, well, thank you. Yay. So um, as we wind down here, let's talk about you're winning. You're, you're being recognized <laughs> for a little award coming out. This will probably come out probably shortly. 
uh, before that, uh, I'll make sure this comes out before okay. that occurs. So talk to us about yes. your I'm an award an, winning now. I'm an award winning You're winning producer. the lifetime achievement. You've lived longer than any. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Should I take this moment to uh, do a speech about Trump? Practice your... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> to do a speech about Trump. I, was, I watched this. Um, have you ever seen... Not to hijack your... your the worst thing. passionate performance I have ever seen was a man... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Um, on YouTube, have you ever seen um, uh, the channel uh, for... Uh, uh, what is it? Honest trailers where they like show a trailer of the movie and like make fun oh, of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that came out today was the honest trailer for the Oscars 2017. And it was just how like <laughs> it was just going to be a, a, a night of every winner bashing Donald Trump. Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. But no, you're winning an award. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, I got the call back around Christmas time. So it was like an amazing gift for the end of the year. Um, that uh, I'm receiving the Founders Award from AIDS Fund for uh, producing Code Red, and the Founders Award is given to people who come up with innovative and creative ways to raise money for their organization. Oh, fun! So, um, it it's been really exciting because the winner last year produced a car wash. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but yes, me and Cherry produced Cherry, a t-shirt contest. No. We are we are. Um, we're winning the award together, so um, it's going to be exciting to be there with uh, her. And uh, well, I don't know if she's going as Cherry or yeah. as Michael yet, but she probably won't um, want to shave her beard because she she's, wants. To- she's very butch now. She's very. Yeah, she she's is, a very butch. Stonewall uh, sports. Shout team. out to Cherry Pop, aka uh, Michael, um, who's very butch now and is a kickball player, dodgeball, yes. Stonewall she's badminton, stone, ball, whatever the fuck else they do. Yeah. She gave up. She'll be on here soon. I she gave up dollhouse for the. She's very the butch playing now, field until she opens her mouth and then the purses fall out all over the floor. Yeah. Well, that's very exciting. No, I'm excited. She wants to wear red suits and like I, and I sort of like this podcast. They made Brandon made the AIDS fund write his bio for that as well, just like he made me write. <laughs> they his asked for this. me questions and they wrote it for me. I don't like that's how they She's do so it. Lazy. She's a lazy bitch. I don't right. like talking about myself. Can't you tell? Uh, clearly, <laughs> forty-five minutes we're at. Um, well, thank you for popping by. This has thank been fun. You. Um, anything else you want to plug before we before we wind up here? No, I don't think no, because I don't have any events coming up. Um, but well, you at can least, find Brandon on Grinders. No, Ross, I'm not. I'm, Christian fact, Mingle, I Black People Meet, uh, FarmersOnly.com, J Date, <laughs> J Date, Farmers <laughs> Only. I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah. Is there a Cowboys Only? Oh God. No, I'm just kidding. I just can go to but country yeah. line dancing night. Um, no, but. There, you may see an event for me coming up. Oh. I've been thinking of things and kind of had, event. yeah. Kicking around. Which I probably will talk to you after this ooh, podcast. Ooh, is I'm over. intrigued. Well, let's, let's wrap this shit up then. <laughs> All right, join us for the next episode of Babelations. Bye. Bye. Interview with the fabulous Mr. Brandon Robert. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed this, please uh, feel free to follow me on Instagram at It's Bev Bitch, and I will see you next week when we start our twice weekly episodes of Bevelations. Bye.